0: Welcome everyone, it's a privilege and an honor, but I can feel the responsibility of this on me now, and uh, it's nervous excitement, but I know I'm preaching to my family, or not preaching, I'm sharing with my family, so it's not about the presentation and about how i come across and all that, it's about how you receive this and how every word I declare is from the Lord, and whatever is not from me, or not from the Lord, that he, he cuts it out. Lovely, so... I'm sharing this platform with my brothers and sisters who've been here, continuing in this um, series on, on ButtGuard. And I'm going to share today my ButtGuard uh, testimony. So, is it on? Is it, do I need to do something here? It's on. Okay. Right, so if, first of all, I know all you um, very good people out there have got your Bibles out already. And ready Because I'm going to start with the word, and the word today I'm reading from is from John 19, uh, verse 28 to 30. And I'm basing my, my testimony on this preach. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head, and gave up his spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So what I'm talking about today, did I go back? Sorry. So I need to get used to all this technology and stuff. So, my but God moment, is but God had a pain plan. In the scripture that we read now, John 19, we see that Jesus went through a lot of pain, but he had a plan. But before I get to that, I just want to go through my... I want to share with you my my testimony and my um, last few years. Right. <clears throat> so... We find ourselves in a pandemic, in lockdown again, once again. I think it's 18 months later. And prior to this, we never knew about this. We never knew it was coming. It was like a COVID sucker punch. Knockout. Matthew 24 verse 38 says, For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. So before the disaster came, People were going about their lives. We were going about our lives there as a community, individually. We never knew until the day they announced we were going into lockdown. I was not expecting the pain I went through in my life as well. Never thought I would go through what I did and be in the position I was in this stage of my life. 50 years old, yeah, got got my back. I had travelled the world, you know. God's fingerprints. I preached law in 2019, I think it was. Poor, it's not recorded, but for some reason. <laughs> um, so I preached on, um, on, on, on that part of my life long ago. Um, so just to bring it to current. First point on top was my zigzag moment. I had. I'd had a, an amazing life up until considering everything, where, where we had come from as a family, where we started, to where I am now. So my zigzag moment was I'd been divorced. The court order on the 2nd of September, 2018 ordered me out of my home. I had to find a house, found an apartment, managed to get a bed into that apartment, hardly any furniture, nothing got into that home, I had left my son and got into the house that night 2nd of September and I fell on the floor, I had no more nothing left in me I had carpet time as Ian my 007 says I had my carpet time, I was bawling my eyes out snot in trana and uh, that is where I met the Holy Spirit He said to me that is what the gospel is about as much as I didn't want to live my life without my son and, and trying to contemplate what it's going to be like going forward Holy Spirit said to me that's the heart of the Father He doesn't want to have heaven without you so every day that we choose the world and not God it's the same, it's the same feeling I had at, at that moment I didn't want to be without my boy so I had my corporate time. And then, but God had set me up. It brought me into a community that supported me every step of the way up until that moment. So, I mean, I think, we, I, think I joined LifeHouse what, about seven years ago and it's, it's, it, it messes my brain that we, it's so long. I mean, I remember Benjamin was a little little boy when he, when he came to LifeHouse. But myself, I think I was also a little boy and I've grown because of the support, because of the teaching, because of the maturity in this, in, in this church. And um, I, had, I had taken a lot of territory. I had developed um, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord. And me standing here right now at the moment, it's a testament to that. But this lockdown, this sucker punch, this COVID sucker punch knocked us out, knocked me out. And one day when I was sitting in isolation, because living alone in COVID, hits different than living with your family, you've got people to talk to. The fact that I'm actually talking to myself now, I've sat for the last couple of weeks going through this preach inside my head, not knowing how it's going to come out. So being in lockdown alone for weeks on end, something happened. The Holy Spirit started revealing stuff to me and I was exposed emotionally. There was a lot of stuff that I hadn't dealt with. And the positive of lockdown, the positive of this is that I had time to sit and be quiet with the Lord. And He says, You need to deal with unresolved pain, Derek. There's a lot of stuff that's happening that I'm blindsided at what I was putting out. And my unresolved pain, I was in survival mode. My Zeke-like moment was. I was out there. I had a business. My business, I had a a, a catering contract at a a conference center at River Sands. I had had two cafes at the NHC health centers. I was doing well. For some reason, business didn't continue to do well, and a lot of people in the community spoke into my business, prayed with me, but it seemed like it was not meant to be. And I was out there doing my thing, and I lost. I was out like David, fighting a battle and while well, something else was happening at home. And when I returned home, sort of literally, more well, figuratively, it was all gone. So I went into survival mode after being divorced. I had to furnish a home. I had to find a job. I had to just get up. I had to just do things. And I, was, I wasn't focusing on my pain and my suffering I was just in survival mode. I was not able to mourn. Not mourn the divorce, but, not, but my broken dreams. I had, I had come from a family. We, we were a big family. We, weren't, we, were, we were poor, but we had love. I had a mother and father who were together, dedicated. Never, we, we went through struggles. I mean, that's a whole other story. Come and talk to me when you want to, and I'll tell you all the details of that. But I dreamed. Of having a family, I dreamed of being a father and a and a husband, and those were my broken dreams. And I had no time to to mourn this. Something that also came up was my identity was challenged. Fatherhood. Am I still a daddy? Yeah, I'm a father. I contribute to my son's well-being and to, his, to him financially and everything else, but I don't get to do the daddy stuff. Every day, I get to see my son, I think it's officially on the court order, eight days a month. So I go from this man who was a father 24-7. When my son was born, I spent five days with him in the, in the ICU, the neonatal ICU. where He was fed through a drip. We got him out of uh, hospital. And every single day, I couldn't wait to get home from work to be with my boy, take him for walks in in our estate and just spend every time nourishing this this little chappy because he was such a joy to be with. And I went from that to being an eight-day-a-month father. You, You can't fathom that. It's not natural. That's an abomination. But I know I am a daddy because of my Abba. And when I'm with my boy, I know Abba Father speaks through my boy, my little boy, to me about God himself. And for some of you who know him quite closely in this community, you know when he speaks, he speaks some of the Lord's truth as well. What was also tested was my manhood. Will I ever be a husband again? Do I have it in me? been questioning myself. Did things end because I wasn't a good man? So I could go there because I felt comfortable with the Holy Spirit. I could go to that place and say, what is wrong with me? What have I done wrong? Clean out all of that, Lord, so that I could one day. My faith was challenged. I started getting legalistic and religious and saying, like, I'm a Christian. Got divorced. Sure. Then you read some scripture that says, like, if you divorce, you can't even get a new wife, because now you're committing adultery and all that stuff. That's the legalistic religious stuff that will break you properly. And if you don't have proper community around you, you're going to believe that kind of stuff. And you will never get out of it. But God. I never planned for COVID. I never, No one planned for COVID. I didn't have a pain plan. But God gave me one. But God. God is the planner. God had a plan. Jesus had a plan. Do you have a plan? The birth of Jesus, the death and resurrection, the, the second coming of Jesus, is a revelation and indication of God's ability to plan and to execute a plan. John 19 clearly shows the plan of God and what was prophesied many, many years prior to what has uh, come to fruition. We make many plans financially sec- for financial security retirement we plan for holidays we plan marriages we plan weddings we plan for families some of us are I know there's people in our community who are planning for families we make business plans plans, plans, plans I didn't have a pain plan do you have a pain plan? what was Jesus' pain plan? Jesus taught me something. The deeper your pain, the deeper you have loved. I mean, you know, Jordan, luckily you're yeah, actually. When I read that, I, I thought of you actually. Um, and hopefully that resonates with you in some way. Jesus sat at the table with the one who walked with him for three years, but was stealing from him and about to betray him. Jesus washed his feet and looked at him in the eye and said, "I'm not even going to try and talk you out of what you're going to do. Whatever you're going to do, do it quickly, Judas. We all have Judas in our lives. So obviously, I'm reading from the CIV, Colored International Version, again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'm a share version of that for you guys, you know, um, especially for all you conservative Christians out there." <laughs> Pain plans are for those experiencing pain and for those expediting pain. You will only know you are causing pain when you know what you are on the lookout for. Modern day Pharisees, because we have individual pain and we have collective pain. Let me explain collective pain. Israel in Egypt, they were enslaved, tortured, killed, was supposed to be God's chosen. They kill Jesus. You may just end up killing those who love you and want to help you. Today and in the near future, our collective pain will be COVID PTSD. I think I need to put my glasses on, actually. I'm just being, trying to not be this 50-year-old. My close friends are in hospital. Recently, with people dying around them, in beds right next to them. We all have lost, we, we, all have, we all know somebody who's lost their lives in COVID. This is how close it's come. And we all have lost someone, whether it's in death, sickness, accidents, whatever. And it hurts. And we need to deal with that pain. Do we want the traffic that stops here to be people who are all together? Or are we ready to welcome broken hearted people? Are you ready? We need to have this pain plan. Psalms 147 verse 3 says, He heals the broken hearted and binds up their wounds. You want to know what your purpose is? That's your purpose. Sort out a pain plan. Be able to identify who's in pain. And we help bind up those broken hearts. We are Jesus to them. We are his hands and his feet and his, his words. We speak his words to those broken-hearted people. Why do we need a pain plan? Because as disciples, we need to be able to recognize pain in those that seek the love of God in the body of Christ for answers and ultimately the salvation of Jesus Christ we must take our pain and use it and use its power that might sound like contradictory but there is power in pain revelations 12 verse 11 says in reading from the new the NIV they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death I read a quote from Thornton Wilder while I was studying and Thornton Wilder says, Without their wounds, where would your power be? Without your wounds, where would your power be? It's your melancholy that makes your low voice tremble in the hearts of men. The very angels themselves cannot persuade the wretched, blundering children of the earth, as as can one human being broken on the wheels of living. Love, service, only only the wounded soldier can serve. So don't don't hide your wounds. Take them, use them as power. Use them as testimony to help others. I know there's many others in our community who have been divorced. Felt the pain I felt. So why do we need a pain plan? Because you don't think straight when you're in pain. The the plan must be in place before. Gary's always preached this a thousand times, I think, about training off the spot so that when you're on the spot, you know what to do. So how about having a pain plan before you get into pain? So what's the plan? This is the pain plan, the pain management plan I want to follow. It's a five-fold plan. Not the club. Some people use the fivefold as the five. Five questions to ask yourself and answer before you get into pain, so that when you're in pain, you can execute and not even think. Right. Let's start. Number one. What will I say? Jesus knew what to say. In John 19 we read Jesus says it is finished. Prophecy was fulfilled. When I read that it was finished I thought of different ways of how Jesus could have said that if he was living in modern times. Daddy it's done. I won. Victory. So many words could have been said it is finished. I beat him. I beat the devil. How will you steward your words when things are not going well? Your words affect your wellness. Proverbs 18 verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat, the, will eat its fruit. I know, I've, I can recall many people standing up and preaching about it and mentioning that. I just want to relate this to you in terms of what I do. I'm a chef. I'm a nutritionist. I'm a teacher. I've got qualifications in that. So when I relate to Jesus, I relate to him in what I do. Jesus was a chef. He was a caterer. He was a sommelier. Made the best wine. So when we think about this, relate to Jesus. Relate to him in this way. Let's not get too technical about uh, scripture now. Although it's important that we don't change it. Just say you purchase some ingredients. Those ingredients are either healthy or unhealthy. We make a dish, the dish is either healthy or unhealthy depending on the ingredients you're using. Unhealthy ingredients, unhealthy ingredients can't make a healthy food, right? So we eat the dish, we ingest it. When we ingest this food, it becomes, it gets absorbed into our blood. Our blood uh, uh, becomes tissue, tissue becomes organs and becomes you we become healthy or unhealthy when we speak unhealthy or we speak healthy? Unhealthy words don't make a healthy disciple. Just think about that, you're ingesting those words. And the Bible has words in it, not exaggerating or not twisting things. This is, this is Proverbs, this is wisdom literature. What will you say when you are hurting? Number two, pain alters judgment. makes le- makes you less judicious to who you went to. Every prayer partner is not a pain partner. I'm not, I'm not being sadistic here. I'm not being funny. Who will you trust with your pain? If you don't have a pain plan, you will not know how to support those who are vulnerable to you also. Luke 23 verse 34 Jesus said, Father forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. When pain is mismanaged, it has to find an outlet. This is why baptism into community is so important. Skirting the edges of community leaves you vulnerable to the enemy. When you're in pain and you're saying, I can't go talk to those people. I don't want to, I'd rather, I'll just be out here. I'll always stand in the back. I'll always make an excuse not to come to church. Maybe it's too cold. I won't log on to prayer meetings because it's, it's a waste of my time. I'd rather sit here and mull in my, in my own thoughts, Whatever. You have to know who your allies are. Who you can talk to. Because you will end up talking to the wrong people about the wrong things. The snap out of people. You know those people? It's wrong and unhelpful. Just snap out of it. They mean well, but they haven't had their zigzag moment yet. They haven't come to the end of themselves yet to understand what it means to come to the end of yourself. Excuse me. This is a heavy one. The don't use the race card people. You know, for decades people were subjected to racism and oppression. And it's not the government's duty to resolve it. It's the church's duty to resolve that. We are to speak truth into this. It's the enemy. This is what I call collective pain. There's a collective community out there that is in pain because of oppression, years of oppression. And it's both sides. It's the oppressor and the oppressed that need to be delivered. There would not be a race court if there wasn't racism. So stop being racist. Call it out. Do the healing. It's unresolved pain. And then you get ambitious Christians. There's none in this church. Lifehouse is amazing. But I've seen it. I've seen the evidence. I hear the testimonies from people. They want the glory of the people not God. They will demand your healing. They'll pray for you, lay hands on you and say, get healed now. I I command you to be healed. It's lobbying tactics, and they want advancements in the body of Christ, but obviously it's not your life. Also. What will I not do? What will I not do? Mark 15, verse 23 Before Jesus got on the cross, they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it because that was a pain-numbing concoction and he refused it. In pain, you will always be tempted to explore unbiblical remedies. You don't want pain and shame. So don't make that call. Don't smoke that. Don't swallow that pill. Don't send that DM, don't answer that SMS. Caller ID is a good thing, don't answer that call. You don't want pain and shame and you will be tempted. What will I do? We need to know when we are hurting what we will do before we get into it. Well, I pray. And it should be a go-to thing first. Pain demotivates you. You have to make the decision. Your pain is molding you and not your purpose. You've let the hands of pain replace the hands of the potter. Has your pain shaped you more than, your, your, than the potter? As I said, pain demotivates you. In pain, you need the presence of God and the Word of God. I know that. This is important because the thing you need to do when you're hurting is very often the thing that demotes you, demotivates you to do it. When you're in pain, you need the presence of God and the Word of God but the pain demotivates you and you don't want God You want the easy fixes You just want the pain to go away You have to make a decision about forgiveness before you have to forgive You have to decide you're not going to be the bitter ex spouse Not the sore loser Not an angry father Not a racist or cynical person You have to make the decision that not to become that person because the pain is molding you and not God's purpose. That is not discipleship and walking like Jesus. You've let the hands of pain replace the hands of the potter. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says, But now, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. All of us are the work of your hand. Has your pain shaped you more than the potter? Know what you will do before you have to do it. It's important. And the last one, five. What will I believe? Will I believe the pain over the promises? Fate is believing. Faith is not emotional. Faith is making a plan. Will I believe the pain over my my promises? Will I believe that even if I'm never the same again, that I will be whole again? Do you believe that or do you believe the pain? Faith is not emotional. Faith is making a plan. Jesus kept warning us throughout Scripture to make a plan, to have a pain plan. In this world, you will have trials and tribulations. Remember that? I'm sending you out as sheep amongst the wolves. Remember that? Make sure you have a pain plan. But don't get me wrong. Not all of us are sheep. You know, as Christians we 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 quick to forget that we are sinners. Ephesians speaks about we were all dead in our transgressions. Dead means you're dead. Not half alive, not one foot in the grave and half your half you know, you were dead in your transgressions. Only by his sacrifice were we made alive. So before I get self righteous, I always check I check my self righteousness at the door before I entered the presence of the Holy Spirit. I believed in the midst of my rejection that He loves me and accepts me. I believed in the midst of my financial distress that that I would be restored and provided for. I believed in the midst of separation from my son that Abba cried with me and showed me how much He doesn't want heaven without me. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that the enemy tried to destroy me, but God kept me. I believe in the midst of my darkest hour, he would shine a light on my heart and and fill it with joy and peace and love. I believe right now this message is a testament of his love for me. I have walked a long, scarred, scary road with Jesus. But God, his love keeps me believing in love. Paul, it's not a sheer song, okay? (laughs) I believe God snatched me out of pain and into the hands of the potter. Declare this with me quickly. I may never be the same, but thank you, Jesus, I will be whole again. Amen. You see, I can't walk like Jesus if I'm walking in pain. I can't talk like Jesus, I can't think like Him if I'm walking in pain. Pain debilitates you. You can't even. You feel like you're in a. In a in, you're dizzy. And I think a lot of our decisions, if we think back to some of the decisions we made in our lives, we can see the pain there because we made the wrong decision. We made the wrong choices. Do we know what it's like to walk to walk with Jesus? Matthew eight verse twenty says, "Jesus replied." Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. Jesus had an itinerant ministry. It's not in churches, and it's out there. Ours too. So if you're addicted to predictability, if you're uncomfortable with change, are you ready to walk with Jesus? Are you actually God I believe God is a healer not just physically but emotionally heart healing is the healing everyone gets I pray that God heals you from past pain and uses the wisdom of this pain plan for future pain through this word I believe God is getting ready to do retroactive work to heal wounds not properly healing and that is shaping you In ways you don't want to be shaped. He will not allow my destiny to be shaped by someone else's dysfunction. He wants, he will, and wants to fix it. You see, because we have an unusual Jesus. He he does unusual things. Jesus told everyone, he's going in but he also said he's coming out he had a plan to get out he made a promise to come out Mark 9 verse 31 he said to them the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men they will kill him and after three days he will rise that was was Jesus' plan There are people counting on you to have a plan so that when you don't expect pain you still go in but you have an exit plan. You know how to get out. Jesus was being crucified but still had the heart to tell the one being crucified next to him that he was taking him to heaven. His pain never changed who he was. Don't let your pain change who you are. Jesus wants to heal you and renew you and renew your love for love and accelerate you to where you are destined to be spiritually and in this life now. People will hurt you and try and destroy you. And they'll come and look for you and expect to find you not only where they left you, but how they left you. If you're looking for me, Derek from 2018, the 2018 version, the 2018 model. I'm not there anymore. Not only because I've grown, my community has grown. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you're looking for lifehouse at the barnyard, we're not there anymore. If you're looking for lifehouse at Badams. We're not there anymore. Hoya Hoya. Brinesman Shopping Center. We're not there anymore. Fruit. Fruit. Growth. Anointing. Spirit filled. Not just resurrection. Advancement. I hope this is. I hope this is. Making sense. I hope this is But Derek, I can't forgive. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what they've done to me. Forgiveness is the evidence of a miracle that has happened or happening in your heart. Because you can't forgive with your own strength. It comes from the divine intervention of the Holy Spirit. From God. From the throne room. A resurrection requires a divine intervention. Forgiveness is not forgetfulness. Period. But it's not culture's way of saying that. Let me just check you there. Forgiveness is not forgetfulness. I know scripture says that God forgives and forgets. As far as the east is from the west, he forgets your, your sins. He can forget, forgive like that because he's God. We are still flesh and blood and we feel these things. We feel this pain. We forget to the extent where we can still carry out our mandate as disciples. So it's not in our forefront of our minds and blocks us from seeing pain, seeing hurt, and going out and helping and healing and praying for people. And spreading the gospel ultimately. Forgiveness is counterculture. It's counterintuitive. It's counterinstinctive, also. God has given me closure. Yes, it's come from God. So my closure is not my forgiveness or your forgiveness, it's in God's goodness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We just need to think clearly and logically about what Jesus did and what he said. On that cross, a resurrection requires a divine intervention. You can hustle. You can make affirmations every day in the mirror. You can share Facebook memes. But do you you have an, an almighty God, a loving brother, a gracious savior that can work miracles? I believe in a principle of spirit-centered life and I have been given a gift of discernment. You know, when we were at Hoya Hoya, I remember we cut out these strips of, of the gifts and we placed them on a the table and Gary said, come up and choose one. Just, and I walked up and I just grabbed this first one and as I looked at it, it was said, gift of discernment. And I've spoken to Dahlia about the sons of Issachar and I've read the book about that and it's, it's amazing because you can discern the times. This is, not an, this is not ordinary for Holy Spirit to lead our elders to allow this series, this but God series. I believe that this is not ordinary. God through this word and the series is getting ready to touch people. Because these words, this, this preach, has given perspective on your pain. But it can't fix it. Whether it's pain from people or losing a loved one, financial loss, unemployment, loneliness, whatever. We still need a touch from God. God, we need your touch. Only a touch can heal me. Just say in your heart now, heal me. See, Some of the best prayers are not these extravagant, verbose prayers. Just two words, heal me Lord, heal me. I want to pray for those that believe this is for them. Those that know they need a divine intervention. You see, prayer is not to inform God of our problems, but rather to express our dependence on His great generosity to solve, change, heal, intervene and restore and do His will. So, just assume a posture to receive or be in agreement with this prayer we need your touch Abba Jesus thank you for your pain for your pain plan. plan the plan that comforts all conquers all covers all and restores all I don't know everything and everyone's pain but I do know how you have embraced me comforted me and still comfort me now I know your provision even when they said I'm not providing and left me you are Jaira you saw my bleeding heart and wounds and touched them spiritually and physically thank you for the blood transfusion Father you are God the God of miracles I am your miracle I see the pain Lord Jesus resurrect our faith in a God who can do the supernatural I give you praise for testimony of changed hearts healed hearts and strengthened faith in a loving God Father we know that Sunday is where the teaching happens but we also know that the anointing is evident on the Monday and forever when the change is realized and the miracles abound we believe and claim this as your word says You came to heal the brokenhearted. Heal us and set us free in your will for your glory. Amen.